Good morning, everyone. Nice to see so many people here and a lot of visitors, a lot of people I don't know. Welcome to you. Hope you feel at home with us and are able to worship God and hear him speaking to us now. As you've heard, we've got four baptisms happening later. Uh, Once when we had a baptism here, there was a visitor who said, I didn't believe you'd really do that. You're not really going to go into that water. And even once I'd gone into the water and then someone followed, he still thought he's going to say, only joking, and come out. You can't really do such a strange thing, can you? Putting someone in the water. Why on earth would you do it? It really is strange. Well, why do we do it? I want to get an answer from Acts chapter 22, verse 16. If you've got a Bible, would you turn to Acts 22, verse 16? And if you haven't got one with you, there's plenty on the shelves at the back there. Feel free to help yourself. Ah, we haven't sent the children out for their children's talk or children's meeting. Sorry, Richard. Stop, pause. Parents, if you've got children you'd like to go out to the creche for preschool children or the class for year reception to year three, then could they go now, please? Richard is standing at the back and they can follow him out to the green room. Sorry about that, everyone. I've been on holiday for a week and forgotten the system. Good, that's given you time to find Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And it says, And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptised, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he's describing his conversion. He's telling the story of how he became a Christian. Many years later that this was written, but... He was looking back and saying what had happened to him. And he refers to his baptism. Now, this doesn't tell us all that baptism means, and I'm not this morning going to give an explanation of all that baptism means. But I want to show why it's important, why baptism matters. And that involves showing some bigger issues than just baptism. Because that involves looking at our relationship with God, how it's been broken, and how it can be mended. So let's do that by taking this verse, verse 16 of Acts 22, in three parts. Here they are. First of all, our sin matters, but it can be removed. We get from this verse that our sin matters, but it can be removed. And I get this from verse 16 where it says, wash your sins away. Wash your sins away, it said with urgency. It's said with insistence, because sin matters, but it can be washed away. There's a common view of God that God is like some Father Christmas in the sky, or maybe some indulgent uncle. Children who've stayed in, do any of you have an indulgent uncle? He's fun to be with and to mess around with, but he'd never tell you off. If you're naughty, he would just laugh at it. If you have a tantrum or a rude, he'd just overlook at it. Overlook it. Well, people can think of God like that, but the Bible's persistent message is God is very different. He is a king who will not tolerate disobedience. 
He is a judge who must uphold his law. He is perfect and all sin offends him and arouses his anger. And it's a good thing he's like that. It's a good thing that the God who rules this world is like that. Let's think of it this way. Children, imagine a head teacher leaves the school for a week. Off she goes, maybe she's going to a conference or to help out another school. And while she's away, the bullies take over and they beat people up and they smash windows and they break chairs. Maybe there's even drugs going around the school. And when she gets back, will a good head shrug her shoulders and say, well, boys will be boys and children do that sort of thing. Never mind, let's carry on. Or will a good head say, this is wrong. This must be sorted. Those people must be punished. I will not tolerate wrongdoing in my school. It's good to have a head who will not tolerate wrongdoing. And it's good that the God who rules will not tolerate wrongdoing in his world. Now, I wonder if there's someone here who says, yes, yes, that's good. It's good that God will punish Hitler and child abusers and terrorists and people like that. But as for me, well, I'm I'm not doing anyone any harm. I'm living quite a peaceful, harmless life. Let's look at verse 16 again. Verse 16, the person being spoken to is told, wash your sins away. The person being spoken to had sins and needed to be made clean to have them washed away. Who was the person being spoken to? It was someone called Paul. He was a very religious man, a moral man, a man society approved of. Thought he was among the best, actually. Well, why did he need washing? Why was he so unclean? He's told with urgency, you've got to wash your sins away. Because he rejected a man called Jesus. There was this man called Jesus, and Paul thought, this Jesus is a fraud. Paul thought, this Jesus has made demands, but I'm not going to obey him, because I don't have a high view of him. And that was something that needed washing away, that attitude towards Jesus. Now, that attitude towards Jesus might not seem a serious thing to you, might not seem a big deal to you. So let's go back to the school example, the example of the heads left the school. Now, let's imagine there is a pupil at that school, let's call her Kate, and she doesn't bully anyone. And she's very friendly. She doesn't hurt anyone, no. While the head's away, she was giving out sweets to everyone. Do you know where she got the sweets from? She found them in a drawer in the head's desk, and she helped herself. She's she's a nice girl, she's giving them out to other people. She doesn't hurt anyone, but she doesn't do the work the head set. And she ignores the rules the head gave. She won't listen to what the head says. She's not bullied anyone, but you wouldn't say that she is doing what she should do. Uh, there's, there's something there that needs to be sorted out, too. And that's what most of the people of Loughborough are like, who are quite friendly. You don't hurt their neighbour, but they're living in Jesus' world. God has made Jesus king. They're acting like they are in charge. They'll do their own thing. Jesus, he can be ignored. I say they are. Do I need to say you are? 
does that describe you? Living in Jesus' world, and you think you're a good person because you're not hurting anyone, but you're ignoring Jesus the King and getting on with doing things your way. Now, all of this puts a breach between us and God. All of this arouses the right anger of God and makes us guilty before God. And so this verse insists, let's look at it again, verse 16, we need to wash our sins away. There's a need there being pointed out to us in verse 16. But there's also good news. Do you see the good news in that phrase? This person was being told you can wash your sins away. There is such a thing as sins being washed away. Like a stain that is no more. The item of clothing has been so washed that you couldn't even tell there was a stain there. What a lovely thought about our guilt. What a lovely thought about all those blots on your conscience could be washed away such that no one would know they were ever there. What a lovely thought about all the times we've acted like Jesus is a nothing, certainly not the king, I'm the king around here. And it can all be washed completely away as as if it had never been there. Our sin matters, but it can be removed. Here's the second thing. It matters urgently and good news should not be put off. I get this from verse 16 where it says, and now what are you waiting for? You see that there? And do you feel the urgency? And now what are you waiting for? Paul heard good news about Jesus, but he wasn't allowed to just well, yeah, that's interesting, I'll go away and I'll ponder that and I might one day do something about it. No, there's urgency here. What are you waiting for? Get up! It's urgent. That's the Bible's persistent message. The Bible is not a relaxed, laid-back, take-it-or-leave-it sort of book. When I was a student at university, the Christian Union had these things called just-looking groups. It was a good idea. People... um, who wanted to find out about Christianity would come along to a just-looking group. And the idea was it's a bit like window shopping. You know, you go into a shop and they say, can you help? Can I help you? And you say, oh, no, I'm just looking. And you wander in, have a look and wander out. And that's what you can do with Christianity. Wander in, have a look, wander out. Well, I get that it's trying to encourage people, have a look and see. But the Bible doesn't have a just-looking attitude. No, it has urgency. Urgency because life is fragile. Children, have you ever seen bunches of flowers by the side of the road? Maybe tied to a tree. Maybe there's a picture of someone in a frame hammered onto that tree. What's happened? Oh, someone's been killed there in a traffic accident. Suddenly, taken into God's presence, unexpectedly, life is fragile. And so this message is urgent. But it's also urgent because life is precious. To have your sins washed away. To know God's favour and his care and his love. To have life as God designed it, that's precious. Why put off good news? It matters urgently and good news shouldn't be put off. Years ago I taught in a Sunday school and I was teaching teenagers. And one of them was called Alice. 
And she said, I'd like to be a Christian, but I'd like to wait until I'm not a teenager. Teenager years are hard. I'd like to be a Christian, but can I put it off until after I'm a teenager? Now, I sympathise with that because teenage years are hard, aren't they? Yeah, there's, there's so much peer pressure, so many temptations, so many worries about what other people think of you, so many reasons to think it'd be easier to put it off. But to put off washing your sins away, what a dangerous game. And to pull off receiving good news, well, that's not sensible. The difficulty of teenage years are an extra reason for I need God as my father. I need the security of his love. I need a solid identity in Jesus. I need a good basis for life so I can deal with those difficulties. So what was spoken to Paul then, God has made his message for us today. What are you waiting for? Why delay? Sin matters and it matters urgently. Don't put off good news. So what should you do? We've had our sin matters. We've had it matters urgently. The message has all been do something about it. What should you do? Well, we get the answer again from verse 16. Let's go back to verse 16. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptised and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Now, that answer may surprise you. Get up and be baptised. That might not be what you were expecting. Children, is this special water that can wash sin away? No, it just came out of the tap, just like the water you drink at home. Have I, am I a priest who's done some special ritual over it and made it holy water? No, 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 I'm not a priest. I haven't done such a thing. This water does not wash sin away. We don't believe in holy water or rituals you do and God says, right, you've done that good, I'll forgive you. No, the Bible's persistent, consistent message is the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. As a verse in a place in the Bible called 1 John 1 verse 7, the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. By blood, it means his death for us. It's interesting and significant. What is Jesus called here in verse 14? Have a look just back two verses at verse 14. Jesus is called the righteous one. This man, Paul, thought he was righteous. He thought he was right, good enough for God. But he wasn't. None of us are. And we need Jesus, the righteous one, to take our place. I'll read you a verse later on in the Bible, a place called 1 Peter 3. It says, for Christ Jesus died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He's the righteous one. We're not right. But he took our place and he took our punishment. And so our trust must all be in him. And the promise we can be forgiven because of him. And baptism is a symbol. Washing the body with water is a symbol of us being washed from our sins because of him and his death for us. It doesn't do it. Jesus does it. It is a symbol of what he does. But baptism isn't an empty symbol. 
It's not an empty symbol. You can say, oh, well, it's just a symbol. I'll do without the symbol. You know, when some people get married, they have a ring. Some people don't. You can do without it. No. An empty symbol. Explain with an illustration. And some of you have seen this before. But I think it's worth seeing again. Philip, will you come up the front here, please? Now, bear in mind, this is all just an illustration. Okay? Now, Philip has a need. Philip has a need. He's a big man with a small car. That's right, isn't it, Philip? He's a big man with a small car. And I've got a fairly big car, a Vauxhall Severa. So I'm going to make Philip an offer that he can have my Vauxhall Severa. Yeah. Bear in mind, this is, this is just an illustration. <laughs> I am not going to give it to him. I am not being rude about his car. As far as I'm aware, it's a good car. And to be honest, a Vauxhall Severa is a pretty boring car, so I'm not showing off mine. But here's the offer. It's completely free. You don't have to pay. You don't earn it. I'm just going to give it. But there are conditions. Get rid of your little car. Look after this big car well. And uh, do you trust me? That's, I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do. <laughs> Let's shake on the deal. We shake on the deal. Okay, everyone notice we are shaking on the deal. Good. Thank you, Philip. You can go back. Thank you. Now, what was that all about? What's that all about? It's a, it is an illustration. Philip didn't earn the car. He didn't pay for the car. He gets it because I paid for it. I've paid money in, for it in the past. And I generously offer it to him. And he trusts me and my offer. And he responds. He'll get rid of his car and look after this one. There are some conditions. What's that an illustration of? We don't pay for Jesus saving us and washing us of our sins. We don't earn it. He paid for it all by his terrible death on the cross. And he generously offers it to us. And we trust him and his offer. There are conditions. We repent. We're not earning forgiveness, but we turn from our sin to his way. And we follow him. Philip shook my hand on the deal. He didn't get the, he doesn't get the car because of the handshake. No, but the handshake reassures and offers that the, that the offer was for him. It reassures, sorry, and demonstrates the offer was for him. I wasn't just saying to the whole room that anyone who wants, see me afterwards, I might give you my car. I was saying it's for you and it's definite. The handshake shows that. And him shaking my hand shows, yes, I trust you and I'm taking that up. We don't get forgiveness by baptism. It isn't the baptism that gets us forgiveness. But baptism is like the handshake. It's us making a clear statement, we trust this Jesus. And more importantly, it's Jesus saying, I am offering this to you. We often say baptism is the person being baptised making a statement, I'm trusting Jesus. Yes, it is. But much more, it's the other way round. It's God making a statement. If you do this by faith, I'm shaking hands on the deal. I am offering to you and promising to you, yes, you personally, it's a personal thing, baptism. It's not just a word to a room full of people, it's personal. I am promising to you this forgiveness, this welcome into my family. Now, you might say, but how does that work? You see, when I offered Philip my car, I put out my hand and he shook my hand. 
You might say, how does that work with baptism? Because Jesus isn't holding out his hand. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. What's the body of Jesus? What's the body of Jesus? It's the church. And we don't take seriously enough that the church is the body of Jesus. It's his way of working in the world by the preaching of the gospel, by the Lord's Supper, by baptism. Jesus is at work in the world and he's offering to people and he's making clear his promise of forgiveness. There's another side to this. Shaking hands on a deal. If you shake on a deal, it makes it that much more serious if you go back on the deal. Because it wasn't just casual words. And being baptised makes it that much more serious if you go back on that claim to be trusting Jesus. On that commitment to follow him as Lord of your life. Being baptised is not a, a, a little thing to do without seriousness, without carefulness. Now, remember, shaking on the deal is all about trusting the person. If this week you see Philip driving around town in a Vauxhall Zafira, and you say to him, how come you've got a Vauxhall Zafira? His answer won't be, because I shook hands. His answer will be, because Joseph gave it to me. And so also, if a person is forgiven of their sins, and you ask them why, their answer won't be, because I was baptised. It will be, because Jesus generously gave to me and my baptism was me demonstrating that I trust him for that and him demonstrating he gives it to me. And so maybe the most important words in verse 16 are the last four words. What is this baptism doing? The last four words in verse 16, calling on his name. Be baptised and wash away your sins, calling on the name of Jesus. The New Testament, the second part of the Bible, begins with this. When Jesus was going to come into the world, his parents were told, you shall call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And you move on and later you find a promise. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When a person is baptised, he or she is calling on the name of Jesus, is effectively saying, Jesus, I'm trusting you as my saviour. Jesus, I'm bowing to you as my Lord. Jesus, I need you as my righteous one, because I am not right. And I need you to cover all that and to put me right. In the end, it's all about Jesus. So, what should you do? What should you do in response to what you've heard this morning? Be realistic about your life. Have you lived as if you're, as if God isn't God, as if Jesus doesn't matter? Be realistic. Face that. Consider Jesus, the righteous one, who died for people who are not right. And trust him and his promises. And turn from your sin to him. Take up God's offer by being baptised. Please do come and speak to me about that afterwards. And don't delay. What does our verse say? Don't put it off. Don't say, I'll sort this out tomorrow. Don't say, I'll think about this next week. Verse 16, and now, what are you waiting for?
Get up, be baptised and wash your sins away, calling on his name.